Early season NBA full of surprises, some teams coming out of the box hot. And then we're going to depress you and talk about the teams that are bad. And we're going to get really depressed by going to the All-Star game in Cleveland? Really? We can do better than that, and we're going to on the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On NBA podcast here on a Wednesday. Lots to get to here with the full slate of NBA games. Oh, I shouldn't say full slate because, weirdly, there were no late West Coast starts. But we'll talk about all of that stuff. First of all, we are your Wednesday Locked On NBA hosts. I am John Corrales from the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find my written work at RedsArmy.com, at Boston.com, and subscription, Patreon.com slash John Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And this is going to be fun today, John. Yeah, let's let's get into the early season is both, like, awesome and horrible at the same time. We're going to get to all of, all of both of those things. All, all of that. <laughs> all of that. But the thing that's kind of like that mixed both awesome and horrible thing is these reactions to things that are maybe not real. We're not sure yet, but we're so excited for the league to be back that we, we just anxious to talk about things like surprising teams, like the Sacramento Kings who tonight, uh, Tuesday night, won their fourth straight game. They are now 5-3. and three. They beat the Magic 107-99. The Sacramento Kings are 5-3. and three. Who saw that coming, Jake? No, this is a surprise. So, like, there's a reason we've got to talk about him here. And we went through something like this last year with Memphis, too. Remember when they were, like, number one in power rankings after the first week or two of the sure. season? So th- this may go away a little bit here for the Kings. But let's just be happy for them right now while they're good. But look. De'Aaron Fox is a stud. This is dude's averaging 18 points, 7 assists. He kind of played through injury in this game and still put up uh, a decent line in this. Like, he's leading that team. Buddy Heald's a very good three-point shooter. He's shooting 47, over 47% to start the year. This is a legitimate team that's getting contributions from a lot of guys that you were maybe hoping would would kind of take that next leap, but we weren't really expecting them to. Yeah, and look, for the Sacramento Kings fans, this is kind of just an enjoyable kind of quirk. For now, you're going to enjoy what what these guys are doing. You're going to enjoy the fact that, uh, like you said, De'Aaron Fox is showing why they were really hesitant to go for uh, go for Luka Doncic because they already had this guy in place, and they, you feel good about that. You feel good about what you're seeing from Heald. You're feeling good from what you're seeing from uh, Bielitsa and Bagley. And so things are, are, are slowly coming together. Now, there are a couple of offshoots here that affect the both of us, and one of them is that they, they made this trade – to get Sacramento, uh, healed and they, they gave up Boogie Cousins to New Orleans and now obviously he's gone. Is there any sort of feeling from the New Orleans side? You're like watching these guys that you gave up and, and you feel like you lost the trade here? 
Yeah, I mean, Cousins played under 60 games, something like that, under 70 games for New Orleans. So, like, from that perspective, yeah, it's a failure. You gave up Buddy Heald, you gave up Future First, and, like, that's not ideal in what you wanted to really do when it kind of turns into this that now he's on the Warriors for no money. You know, so you kind of feel it from that, though. The Pelicans did kind of find their identity after that injury and basically just didn't have a choice but to let him walk. You couldn't give him a max contract after that injury. So, you know, with their 4-0 start, they're 4-2 now, probably about to be 4-3 since we play the Warriors tonight. That's going to be fun. Um, but still, it, things are good. I think we live with that here in New Orleans. But imagine, so with all that, so with them getting Buddy healed, with the additional first-round picks and all those things, just imagine if they weren't mismanaged for so many years like what this team could be capable of now but they were but they were and and this is what affects me my team the celtics this the celtics and the sixers are both watching sacramento with kind of like different feelings here if this pick is if the sacramento pick is the top overall pick it goes to philly so philly fans are watching this thinking maybe one of two things either they need to be absolutely horrible so, because they want another number one pick, or they want the Kings to be so surprisingly good that the pick relays to Boston because Boston gets it if it's two or or better, worse, or lower, whatever that number, however you want to characterize it. And that's part of the Markel Fultz trade. If Sacramento somehow captures this magic and just becomes a Cinderella team and this pick ends up dropping down to the 20, 15 to 20, let's say. Let's just pretend. Then Philadelphia feels a whole lot better about that Markel Fultz trade, or at least a, a bit better about that Markel Fultz trade, because they didn't give up the second overall pick and Jason Tatum for Fultz. They just gave up Tatum and a pick that's going to be mid to low draft. So... I'd say Sixers fans are rooting for the Kings to either be the worst team in the league or the Cinderella team, nothing in between. And Celtics fans are rooting for the Kings to like come back down to earth and let's, let's not progress too fast over there in Sacramento because Celtics fans want to, to cash in on another Danny Ainge swindle and have that pick be in the top five. Yeah, I, look, it, they're likely going to fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're going to keep this up. I don't think they'll be above 500 at the end of the year because they're one of the things that's carried them so far this year is they're a very good shooting team so far. They're fourth best when it comes to even field goal percentage. That can kind of get swingy at times, particularly with some of the young guys they have. They're not a particularly good rebounding team. I think those kind of factors make it seem like they're going to come back down to earth. So it's, again, likely to be somewhere in the middle. Another interesting thing, by the way, with them, Willie Colley. Stein, they've got to make a decision. They're going to pay him or not after I think it's this year where they've got to kind of determine what they want to do with him. So I don't know because that's an interesting thing. They didn't seem like they liked him to start this season, but he's playing pretty well for him. So their their future is kind of a little bit up in the air as well. I still don't trust that that management team to to get all of these next steps in line. But for now, Sacramento is a bit of a surprise. As are the Memphis Grizzlies, I guess. I mean, look, there are people who said the Memphis Grizzlies could 
be a playoff team. Uh, they are four and two after tonight's win over the, uh, Washington Wizards, who we'll get to in the next segment, unfortunately for DC fans. But they beat the Wizards 107-95. They have now moved to four and two. They are a bit of surprise and they're getting those contributions from people that they thought would help them now that they're healthy. Mike Conley has had a nice start to the season. Marcus Saul has had a nice start to the season. Uh, and they're getting contributions from Garrett Temple, Jaron Jackson. Just kind of a, a nice wide distribution after that from guys that are, are just providing a little bit of a boost off the bench. And this is what some people were thinking. Hey, watch the Memphis Grizzlies. If they're healthy and, and that grit and grind kind of comes back, they can actually be potentially a playoff team. Yeah, you know, look, Conley and Gasol, when they're kind of in peak form, they can take you pretty far. And th- that's kind of what's happening now. I really like the Garrett Temple pickup for him this offseason. Uh, looks like the Wizards could really use a guy like that right now. And yeah. letting him go for something like $6 million, $8 million a year, whatever it was, is kind of a steal for Memphis. They're doing this with defense. Kind of like they always have. They're playing faster offensively. They're, they're high up there in pace, so they're not that kind of grind it slow style. But they're getting back to just being a solid defensive team and limiting opponents. And if you've got two studs that you can kind of ride like that, like you can go f- somewhat far. I don't think you really see them, at least I don't, fighting for beyond like seven or eighth in the West, if that at best. But if they stay like this, like they'll be in the conversation all year. Yeah, absolutely. But Mike Conley has always been forever underrated. I, I've always thought that he should have been in the mix for the top, top five point guards. And you just outside of like the inner circle, people like us who watch the games intensely are he's, he's not regarded as that level of a player, but obviously he is. And if it wasn't for injuries, he would, he would have been, I think maybe a little bit more uh, highly regarded, but here he is back and healthy, averaging 19 points for the season, uh, six assists, uh, it, not shooting it particularly great just yet, but figuring out ways to help his team win. Uh, same with Gasol. They, they're just, it's, it's grit and grind. You go out there and you play your defense and you, you wear a team down and, and you win. So that's the Grizzlies. But before we move on to the positive surprises, let's just run down the scores from the other games tonight and then we'll get into the negative surprises. So in tonight's, uh, action, in the Tuesday night action, Charlotte, Beat Miami 125-113. Charlotte moves to 4-4 four four. Miami. A little bit disappointing. They just barely missed being in this segment. Uh, Dwayne Wade led Miami with 19. Tony Parker, 24 and 11 assists off the bench in that game. Cleveland getting the fired coach bump. Beats one uh, Atlanta 136-114. A lot of points on the board there, but they played Atlanta. It's- it's that disembodied voice that's their coach right now that's kind of <laughs> spooking them towards a win on on Halloween Eve here. They don't even have an official interim head coach. Good for them, though, for getting the win. Yeah, that's nuts. So Cleveland's first win of the year in that one, beating the Atlanta Hawks. My team, the Boston Celtics, I was in the house for that one. They beat the Pistons 108-105. Kyrie Irving dropped 31 points, 13 in the third quarter, where he matched the Pistons' uh, output, 13 points apiece in that third quarter he was on fire and the Toronto Raptors in a matchup that uh, really wasn't a contest they're just a different team at home 129-112 over Philadelphia we could have talked about this game but people are just sick of hearing about Toronto and Philadelphia all the time the 
Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Los Angeles Clippers 128-110. Russell Westbrook, 32 points and 8 assists in that one. Danilo Gallinari, 27 points to lead the Clippers. And the last two games here, which lead us into the next segment, the Houston Rockets lose to the Portland Trailblazers 104-85. Dame Lillard with 22 points and 7 assists. Chris Paul, 17 points and 9 assists in that one. And like we said before, the Washington Wizards lost to the Memphis Grizzlies. John Wall had 22.7 assists in that one. Garrett Temple led the Grizzlies with 20 points. Shelvin Mack, 8 assists in that one. Before we move on to the disappointments in this early season, I want to remind everybody to follow Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. It is a mega Awesome feed of all of us Locked On podcast hosts. If you want one Twitter home to get everything that's happening in the NBA so you can stay up to date, even if you miss a game, even if you're not exactly sure what's going on, you can follow this one Twitter account and you can get a sense of everything that's happening because it's every single one of the Locked On podcast hosts tweeting. It's curated best tweets from all of us. So it's Locked On NBA Net. Give them a follow on Twitter so you can get all the best NBA stuff in one place online on your social feeds. Okay, Jake, a uh, couple of teams here are really, really struggling. Do, do, do you just laugh before before we even launched into this? Because it's kind of fun to laugh at the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards. Look, I mean, the Wizards uh, – let me start with the Wizards because that one is fun to laugh at. Not because I want anybody to lose their coaching job or any, it's, it's just the sheer, um, ignorance of these guys preseason to go out there and talk, 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 talking about, oh, we're, people are overlooking us. We're so great. Why are you recognizing how great we are? And it's because the Washington Wizards have been underachievers for so many years. I don't understand why they would be so just why their bravado would be so off the charts. Like, I can appreciate confidence, but hey, look in the mirror and understand exactly what you are and who you are and what you're doing. That to to go out there and just proclaim yourselves in the same class as Toronto, Boston, and Philly before you've even earned that is is ridiculous. And they come out one and six. One and six. You lose to the Grizzlies. You've had some horrible losses. John Wall's out there talking about why he's partying and why people shouldn't care about why he's partying. And everybody's worried about like who's, who's getting the shots. That, that team is an absolute mess. And I know Scott Brooks has a lot of money left on his contract and it's, it's not like a, an owner to let that much money go. But at some point, at some point, something's got to give with the Washington Wizards. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull out of this tailspin. I don't know if they're going to be able to climb out of this hole. But they look bad. They sound bad. There is no direction in Washington. And they have become a kind of point-and-laugh team because they've invited it upon themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, you summed it up really well there. Like, nothing's good about this. By the way, they could easily be winless right now if it wasn't for that Otto Porter Jr., like, last-second block on Damian Lillard in the game that they won by one point against the Portland Trailblazers. So they, they're one moment away, moment away from being a complete disaster. Just nothing's going well. Like if you had to pick a team that was going to have the first players only meeting, this wouldn't even be on the board right now. That's how much it's probably going to happen. <laughs> and you just know that Scott Brooks is going to get fired. Ernie Grunfield should have probably been fired years ago. And it's just, they've overpaid these guys. Cause I get it. You really have to but then you bring in Dwight Howard who hasn't really I don't even know if he's played at all or I know he's been out for a number of games and with with a butt injury because why not <laughs> and it's just nothing's good here Austin Rivers comes out and says the team's laughing at them you know they're, they're just kind of falling apart and it's just there's no leadership and like you said you've got to do something here just nothing's going well I'm pulling up Wall's contract because the numbers for the final year for him who would, I mean, someone would it's probably say for him. It's got to be something like, like I, I think he's in the forty million dollar range. Yeah, it's it. That's what it is off the top of my head. It's like that doesn't sound great. Like no one wants. Uh, let's see what it is. Final year, which is a player option in 2022-23, million dollars. Yeah, I, I wonder if he'll pick that up. Yeah, <laughs> nice work if you can get it there. It goes from once his extension kicks in, 37.8, 40.8, 43.8, then 46.8 basically. Like, for this team, they're going to be deep into the luxury tech. It's just not what you want at all. No, no. This is this is a the absolute worst case scenario for the Wizards to have <laughs> I mean, look at the numbers next year. This this season, John Wall makes 19 million. Next year, they're going to pay him 38 million dollars. Brad Beal, 27 million. Otto Porter, 27 million. It, I I just I can't I can't even fathom. They are guaranteed next year to pay 111 million dollars, and that's to five players. Five players. They're guaranteed to pay 111 million dollars, and now. They still have to fill out a roster. What are they going to do? Are they going to just bring back Austin Rivers and Markeith Morris? And, no, who, Kelly Oubre. This doesn't even factor Kelly Oubre into the mix. Like this is a, an absolute disaster, an absolute monumental disaster. And then on top of it, they have to. They owe Scott Brooks like twenty-one million dollars over the next few just, years. Nothing good. Look, they're, they're bottom five in offensive rating and defensive rating. They're not a good shooting team and they're a terrible rebounding team. Cool. They get to the free throw line. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They play, you know, at moments decent defense, but again, they still are bottom five in defense free. Just it's, there's nothing like you can hang your hat on and be really excited about and be like, if we get these one or two things maybe turned around, then we're good. If they get one or two things turned around, they're merely middle of the road at best. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a, <laughs> there's no other way to put it than it's a mess. Also a mess, the Houston Rockets, who are really, really struggling. I know they don't have James Harden, but four in a row now that they've lost, they are also, they're one in five after this loss. Now, that's not something that is gonna end their season. It's six games, you know, so they've got 76 games left to pull out of this, which I'm very positive that they will do. 
But, Jake, but, but yep. they have made some very curious decisions. They brought in Carmelo Anthony. Now, granted, they're only paying him, what, the mid-level. I forget exactly how much they're paying him, but they're not paying him much. They could get rid of him if they need to. But they also got rid of Trevor Ariza. They got rid of uh, Luke Bamute. They, two guys that could do much more than what Carmelo Anthony's doing right now. And, and they could shore up that defense and guys that they could really, really use. And Clint Capella is not exactly himself. And, and this brings up the questions. And Daryl Morey has been bulletproof. This offseason from the Rockets, and I've seen it posited on Twitter from other people. So I'm just repeating this, but I agree with it. If it was someone not named Daryl Morey who had this offseason, people would would be calling for his head. But because he's the you know the genius and the leader in this new generation of analytics, he gets a pass. Now, granted, his past history does get him a pass. He's still obviously very good, but he made some curious decisions this summer, and it's starting to feel like missteps. Not just that they're off to a bad start. It's starting to feel like the decisions that they made in the summer are coming back to bite them right now. No, they are. So, like, I, I, Maury should not be on the chopping block here. This team won 65 games last season. I'm not saying you're saying that, but like, let's, look, he's allowed to have one down year and you're allowed to make a couple bad decisions. Um, you know, overall in your tenure, but the, no, it's the, they got a little too cute this off season. Maybe is the way to look at it. That loss of Trevor Ariza looms pretty large. They were a top 10 defensive team last year. They're bottom three right now. I think you had Ariza who could kind of tape those athletic bigs of which there's a ton of in the NBA right now and guard them. He used to guard Anthony Davis quite well because he's got the size to kind of at least trouble him. He's got the quickness to keep up with him. And then he's got the upper body strength and lower body strength, not to get pushed around in the low post. Capella isn't that athletic in terms of keeping up with guys like Anthony Davis on the perimeter. So I think that's kind of a big loss for him. I think they just really believed in the system more than what it, it than they actually should have. I think they truly believed it was that switching scheme they did on defense and everything that made them so good last year when, frankly, I think we see it now. It wasn't the scheme. It was the players, and you've removed some of those guys, and it really hurts. Like, I don't know if their defense is going to get much better or even remotely approach what it was last season. I'm I'm not worried about their offense. Harden's out. We know that he's going to play well. Eric Gordon's not going to continue to shoot this poorly all season long. He's shooting 23% from three. He's going to shoot better than that, 32.5% from the field overall. I don't even think Carmelo Anthony's been a huge problem. I think it's really on the defensive side. And it also feels like, you know, the team that loses the Super Bowl then tends to struggle the next year. It's almost like that. Like, they put everything into that series with with the Golden State Warriors going to seven games and like coming back from that isn't easy. No, you're right. And and to be fair, I did say going into this season that the Rockets may be one of those teams that kind of coasts a little bit because they know that once they turn it on, they can turn it on. The only thing about that is that there's no history of them being able to turn it on because they haven't been in this position long enough. And Secondly, the guys that they're asking to do things that, uh, the, the, the guys that they're asking to make up for the things that they've lost aren't necessarily 
doing that. So no, and they're not capable of doing it. Like PJ Tucker's a very good defender, but he can't guard guys like Anthony Davis and some of those type of bigs that they're going to face. Yeah. So lots of questions in in Houston. I, I'm just throwing it out there that Carmelo Anthony he needs more time. He needs more time for sure, but. I, I just don't think he's been good at all. And it's starting, it's starting to seem like his, his time in the NBA has completely passed him by. Like I, I'm, I'm really starting to feel like this is the end for Carmelo Anthony. And, and I'm starting to wonder if he makes it through the end of the season. And maybe that's, that's a hot take or something, but I just, I just don't know that he finishes this season as a rocket. Hey, what's wrong with hot takes on the podcast? We got to, you know, we've been depressing people. Now we're bringing them back up with those kind of things. All right, let's move on. Before we do that, the these are the questions that you would ask uh, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Josh Lloyd has been uh, really the, at the helm of our most popular podcast on the network because our network has been born on – each individual team and our fans, me, Celtics fans, you with Pelicans fans, and, and building up this network. But fantasy doesn't have a fan. Fantasy crosses all teams. And so the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast has really been killing it, and everybody wants to have a listen. You should, too. It is one of the most popular sports podcasts on iTunes. So if you're not subscribed to the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast and you are a fantasy basketball player, then you are cheating yourself out of knowledge that could help you win your league. And if you've got money laid down on your league, and you're not listening to Lockdown Fantasy, then you are potentially costing yourself money. What are you doing? Subscribe to the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast with Josh Lloyd. He will guide you through everything you need to know to win your league. Okay, it came out today, Jake, that the Cleveland Cavaliers fans may have something to root for after all because their city may be getting the All-Star game. It has been reported that Cleveland is apparently going to get the 2022 All-Star game. And my reaction is, why? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my initial reaction to, look, I, I love the idea of the league kind of trying to spread the All-Star game around and give it to every city at some point and all that, but just do, do, does it, look. I don't want to rag on Cleveland too bad. It's just not a place I'd like to go to in February. Right. Well, or or any, ever or any area or you know <laughs> any month that ends in Y. Yeah. I'm look. No, I, I I've been to Cleveland. I actually had a good time in Cleveland. Um, but the the fact is that if the if the NBA is going to do this, they're going to give it to every city. Then go ahead, give it to every city. Then we should look forward to Sacramento getting the All-Star game, which we know they won't. They, they just won't. Is Utah gonna get, is Salt Lake City gonna host an All-Star game? No! No, no one's gonna wanna go to a bar. Look, if you wanna live in Salt Lake City, that's great. That's where our boss lives, and I'm not gonna denigrate the city. It's, I've never been there. But it's a certain type of lifestyle. They hosted it in '93. Yeah, well, I, I looked that up. Did they really? <laughs> just, just, yeah, just yeah, now. I was curious. Great. 
That's, I'm sure that went very well. Well, there, I, I there's a reason you don't see them doing that now, and it tends to be grouped in like certain cities that get it kind of all the time. Right. Look, this is a this is a party. It's a big deal, and there are only certain cities that should be hosting. So, look, if if they if Cleveland's going to get the, the 2022 All Star Game, great, fine, congratulations, Cleveland. Let's see how they they do. Let's pull it off. And, and have a good time. I I don't know what Houston, what what uh, I'm sorry, what Cleveland has to offer necessarily for an event at, of this magnitude. I, being in Boston, would love to have uh, an All Star game. And and there's been a lot of talk about an All Star game in Boston, but people are worried about the harsh winter, and it is a particularly harsh winter. But if you, Jake, could pick your top three cities, if you said only three cities in the NBA could host an all-star game in a rotating fashion, pick three cities. All right, I'm doing this off the top. I mean, number one's obviously New Orleans. That's not even a question for me. Like, the city can do it. They hosted the, the all-star game a couple of years ago on short notice when it got taken away from Charlotte. It's capable of doing it. Usually everyone who comes down here has a ton of fun for these events. And the year, by the way, they took it away from Charlotte, gave it to New Orleans. It was right during Mardi Gras season two. So there are parades going on, like, down the street from everything. It was pretty awesome overall. I think people had a lot of fun with that. I, you know, I, I then probably also still give it to New York. I think having the All-Star Game in Madison Square Garden is a lot of fun. It's a big enough city. You can host a number of different things. Then I think you do also need to throw it out on the West Coast, probably throw it to L.A., or maybe even go south to Miami, something like that. Um, but those are kind of like the, the regions I'd kind of cluster this in for sure. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to agree with you like a million percent on New Orleans, but anybody who knows me knows that New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. So I would go there for a freaking high school JV all-star game. So uh, I'm all in on New Orleans getting a permanent rotation spot in, in the NBA uh, all-star game. Uh, I'm going to – you got to throw one out west for sure. And you gotta come up with a different city. New York definitely, I mean, I just moved away from New York. So, I, I know New York can host. But, a little too cliche, I'm gonna go with Miami, just because it'd be fun to go down there and, and be on the beach and party. So, New Orleans, Miami, here's my wild card, I'm cheating a little bit, but there's a WNBA team there, so it's sort of not cheating, Las Vegas. I think an all-star game regularly in Las Vegas, would be awesome, and they should do it. I, so I was going to ask you, I'm like, if you could pick like a wild card city that wouldn't normally host it or doesn't have an NBA team, where would you pick? So yeah, Vegas. That's, that's, I mean, it makes sense. I like it. You know, I think that'd be oh, like that. Actually, be a lot of fun. Summer League's tons of fun. You make it then an All Star game where you have like players playing and people you want to see. I think actually that makes a ton of sense. It's also easy to get to from most places. That's rather important too. Here's my here's my one wild card. But though, to answer your question, Seattle. Give Seattle. Yeah, like that's what it is, right? Yeah, give Seattle. If you're not going to put a freaking NBA team there, just give them the all-star game every once in a while. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if that if that's just rubbing it in, but you, I'm just dying for Seattle to get a team back. Somehow NBA back in Seattle would be awesome. So that that's my wildcard team. Yeah, I think there, maybe a city like San Diego or something might be kind of fun to do it in too. That's a little bit smaller. It's easy to get around there too. The weather's going to be perfect in February. So, th- I mean, there's options that, totally. again, like, sorry, Cleveland, <laughs> there's Austin, better places. Texas. 
Put it in Austin, Texas. There we go. That would be fun. weird city in Austin. You know, you're still close to San Antonio and Dallas and Houston. You know, you're kind of within that reach. So I think Austin as a weird kind of alternative would be kind of great. I, I would love to see what Austin does with the All-Star game. That'd be so much fun. Yeah, that'd be a good one, too. So any, like, fun city is basically kind of what we're getting at here exactly. for the most part. Exactly. So... All right, well, Cleveland hand, fans can can hate me. They already hate me because I'm a Celtics guy. So uh, uh, the, the mentions are going to yeah, be sure, fire sure. tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm also sure that there are some Cleveland people going, "Oh, us? Really? Oh, oh, thanks. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Surprise." Uh, so uh, whatever. We'll we'll see. You hit us up uh, at Nola Jake on Twitter at Ritz Army underscore John on Twitter. If you have other suggestions, if you've got wild card cities. If you've got other ideas for where the all-star game should be hosted. And of course, if you need to follow us, I am the co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. And you can, like I said, follow me on Twitter, Reds Army underscore John. Find my work, Reds, uh, <laughs> RedsArmy.com, Boston.com, and Patreon.com slash John Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast at Nola Jake on Twitter. And you can read all of my work over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Thursday, Locked on NBA tomorrow with the boss, David Locke. Tune into that, and thanks for listening, giving us that five-star rating, giving us a good review, and sharing the podcast, telling everybody to listen to the Locked on NBA podcast. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network.